We apologize for the late start. Tonight we are going to talk about a bunch of things, including new head coach Dan, uh, David Quinn. Dave, yes, David Quinn. David Quinn? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm all befuddled like normal. Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about, obviously, new head coach. Uh, we're going to talk about other front office moves. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. This is Teal Tinted Glasses. But if you want to be part of the show, like you always do, uh, you can hit us up on the social media, any social media channel at Teal Town USA, uh, on the YouTube, obviously here at Teal Town USA. If you want to be aware of whenever we go live, when we actually go live, depending on when we say we're going to go live and when we do hit the bell, you'll find out we went on late. It'd be cool. Um, also, be sure to leave us a like if you like our content, because it does help us in the YouTube algorithm and all of that fun stuff. Welcome to Teal Tinted Glasses. The empty box is Kevin. He will be here momentarily. Uh, Hockey Jerk is with me. Mr. Hockey Jerk, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I noticed that the request put in by myself to Puckpedia for Teal Town USA to be a person to follow for the Sharks has finally been approved and updated. So shout out to Puckpedia. Um yeah, go us. No, I'm doing good. Uh, it's been a minute since we've done the show. Been a minute since I've talked to anybody that's not my fiance. So this is awesome. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do apologize to everyone for a little bit of a lapse in, in content. Obviously, David Quinn got hired, I think, was the last show we did. And it was kind of more of a instant reaction. Um, we didn't really come with the facts, per se, as the comments said. And I think that was a fair criticism. Uh, so tonight, we're, we're going to bring the facts. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be... It's going to be a good show, I think. So uh, prepare to have to be have facts given to you. Prepare for some funny whatever that we normally do, and we're going to talk. And I think this will be um, this is obviously again going to be a pretty shark centric show. Um, I think once this show's done, I am on vacation next week, and then after that, I want to get back. And I think what we're going to start doing is start knocking out the know your enemy series that we usually do for the second half of summer when we get into like the real dog days of summer uh starting to take a look at teams around the pacific division uh if there's a team around the pacific division you would like us to do first uh let us know in the comments um otherwise i will pick one at random and uh, that is our plan going forward so uh tonight like i said san jose shark centric we're going to talk about a lot of things going on with the san jose sharks um pretty much everything from uh david quinn uh, being hired and beyond that front office stuff that was announced today and uh, joining us now also is Mr. Kevin Lacey. Mr. Kevin Lacey, how are you? Hey everybody, uh, pretty good. Uh, Ian mentioned that he's going on vacation and I am already getting ready to go on vacation. So that's, uh, I'm part of the reason why we started late. I'm in the middle of packing, but happy to be on the show with you guys. Happy to, uh, Get the story right about David Quinn, because I was one of those people who was a little bit aggravated with the uh, the hot take show that was uh, when he was announced. So I'm ready to dive in. <laughs> I mean, the hot takery bakery is always open on this show. <laughs> right. And I think it's also worth mentioning, Kevin, before you dive in, uh, 
Aaron Dell's calling and you need to answer it. Uh, is he now? <laughs> yeah. What, what's the deal there? Or are we going to get into that? I mean, we'll, later. we'll, we'll get into that later, but just the spoiler alert, Kevin needs to apologize for this, I think. Um, right on top of the list, man. But we're going to get into that later. But uh, yeah. I'm sure I need to apologize apology, apology for a lot pending. of things, but... Uh... Stay tuned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so here's here, here's the story here. Obviously, let's get started. I think David Quinn is the most recent news, so I think that is where I would like to start. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, so obviously, uh, David Quinn is the new head coach of the San Jose Sharks. We do not know his assistant coaches yet. We have a guess on who one of them might be, according to Shang. Um, but, but let's get into some numbers because I think numbers are important and then we'll get kind of get into some thoughts on David Quinn being named the head coach of the San Jose Sharks. Uh, obviously David Quinn is a coach who comes from the, uh, college ranks, uh, Boston university, uh, in his time with Boston university, uh, he had a record of 105, 69 and 21, obviously very good record, very good team. Uh, in 2015, they made it to the uh, championship game before losing to Providence in the final game of the in the champion the nationally uh, national championship game. Uh, in 2016, they lost in the regional semifinals to Denver. Uh, 2017, also in the regional regional semi uh, regional finals, sorry, to Minnesota Duluth. And in 2018, uh, they lost to Michigan in the regional finals. Uh, so. For those keeping track, that is uh, two final eight appearances and one final four appearance for uh, David Quinn uh, as a coach of Boston University. Uh, in the NHL, not so good. Uh, with the New York Rangers, admittedly a team that was rebuilding, uh, a 96, 87, and 25 record, uh, 0-3 in the bubble playoff thing, which wasn't an actual playoff round. It was like the qualifying round. Um, where everyone but the Sharks got to play, it felt like. <laughs> um, I, I mean, there was other teams that didn't get to play, but they were very few, and the Sharks were one of them. And I will forever be jaded uh, about that. Um, and in the Olympics, he coached a very uh, young U.S. team to a quarterfinals loss where Slovakia eliminated them in a shootout. Um, and I remember I didn't really watch much of the Olympics there, but I know in the round robin, the States did really, really well. Um, so, um, I know jerk, I know when you said, uh, when David Quinn got hired, I know you were kind of positive about it. So I'm going to let you go first and then we'll go to Kevin. Yeah, I, I think, and then Jesus, I don't even remember when I said it, how many years and shows and seasons ago. Uh, but I, you know, I said that the sharks could use a coach like David Quinn and, you know, they decided to go out and get the real David Quinn. So you know, that's exciting. I, I, I checked in with, you know, our colleague Mark and because a lot of people don't like David Quinn, you know, and so I'm like, you know, Mark, buddy, what's the story here? Because Mark obviously lives in New York mm -hmm. and Mark's not sure either. You know, like nobody, you know, nobody seems to like David Quinn, but they also don't want to say why they don't like David Quinn. I mean, I guess there is some conversation that he doesn't play young players in the right position i guess but i feel like that's a criticism you could make uh, about a lot of coaches in the nhl not only that but what really turned me on to david quinn you know all those years ago when i was saying the sharks need a coach like david quinn is you know i i can remember a game on the um 
don't even remember how many seasons ago it was, but I remember a game where the Rangers, they weren't doing so well, and they cut to the bench, and it was David Quinn talking to a player on the Rangers. I don't remember what player. And the way that he was, despite the fact that the Rangers were losing, the way he was, you know, trying to keep morale high and keep the players engaged and keep them, you know, focused on the game and trying to come back. I always, I, I liked that. I liked seeing that. And, you know, I, I think you, you need a coach who can keep your team focused even when they're losing. And, I think it's safe to say we all think the Sharks are going to do a lot of losing this year. So I think it's good to have a coach who can keep the team on track and keep morale good and, you know, keep them focused on the bigger picture. Uh, Kevin, your thoughts. I'm, I'm a little more neutral than jerk is on this. Uh, I, I, I guess that makes Ian the, the role of, I hate this decision. I don't, I don't know. But (laughs) for me, um, I've been saying for quite a while, even when Bob Bugner was around, that it really doesn't matter who the head coach is, at least short term for me, because the team is what it is. Yeah, I think that's fair. Coach, what's up? Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. I thought you I think there. even with Joel Quenville as head coach, this team wouldn't be all that much better uh, for it. David Quinn came into a very similar situation with the New York Rangers, a team that was trying to rebuild its identity, needed a course correction. He was not the guy to bring them into the spotlight. That coach, of course, was Gerard Gallant. I believe that it could have been Bob Bugner as head coach. It could be David Quinn as head coach. And the Sharks will probably get the same results because of the team that's in front of him on that bench. Uh, David Quinn gets the task of trying to turn the Sharks around and back towards the playoffs. But I don't think he's the guy to take them into the playoffs. So I'm very curious to see who the assistant coaches will be down the road because a name bandied about has been Ryan Worsovsky. Mm-hmm. To me, Ryan Worsovsky is the type of coach you want to bring in for a team that is starting to contend. David Quinn, maybe David Quinn is the long-term solution. We don't know, but I think at at worst, he's going to do exactly for the Sharks is what he did for the Rangers, which is turn it around and then hand off the reins to someone else. Yeah, I think so. Here's the thing: I'm kind of a mixed mind about this. I'm not, I'm not totally against this hiring, as much as probably people may think I am. I said this on the, on the show we did immediately after, but like I don't consider Quinn a retread because I think, especially when you when you come into a situation like David Quinn did, where you are taking a rebuilding team. Um, and you're kind of trying to figure out what's, you know, what's what. And I, I, I think everyone deserves a second chance. It's the third and fourth and fifth chances where I start to get a little tired. So like from the retread perspective, I don't hate this. I think it's not fair to be mad at a guy who got one kick at the can and then should never get a kick at the can again. I don't think that's true. Like like it's not Peter DeBoer on his sixth job or whatever Peter DeBoer's <laughs> on now, right? Like, you know what I mean? So, like from that perspective, right. I don't hate this. Um, I'm I don't like I don't love it, and I'm still 
whelmed by the decision. I think I would still consider myself like I'm just whelmed by the decision, right? But I don't hate it. And, you know, it's funny because you're talking about how, you know, talking about playing rookies and stuff over in New York. And I'm not going to lie, right? Like, I didn't watch a ton of Rangers hockey over the last, you know, few years while, while David Quinn was head coach, right? So I can just go by what Rangers fans have said about him after he left. But I thought in the press conference, there was something, I don't know if it's either he or Mike Greer, and they made a really good point, right? Like, it's like, you have to, when you have guys that are veterans on that team, and that New York Rangers team had veteran guys. They've got guys like Artemi Panarin, right? And you got to make sure that those guys are going to obviously get to do the things that they're paid to do. And you can't just, you know, tell those guys, oh, no, we're going to, you know, this kid's going to get power play one time because he's new and we got to give him a chance there. Like, you kind of have to work your way in there. And I, so I kind of, again, without watching a ton of Rangers hockey, I I don't hate that answer. Well, and, and the thing, the other thing that I quite liked as well, were, and, and Tiger mentioning this in the chat, is... Quinn, during his press conference, he came out and said that he, you know, needed to work on how he handles rookies. Mm -hmm. And I'm, as a, in life, in coaching, everywhere, I'm, I think having self-awareness and being able to hold yourself accountable, I think is one of the most important traits that you can have. And so in your press conference, if you're saying, this is something that I need to do better, to me, you've already won because you're acknowledging where you can improve and where you can do things differently in order to yield a better result. And I that stood out for me, and I quite like that. And I think also to play devil's advocate here, because it's, it's easy to say, oh, well, this guy coached in junior, this guy coached in college, so obviously he can play, he can work with younger players, right? But, like, all those players are the same age, or roughly the same age. Mm-hmm. They're not... It, it's such a It's such a weak example oh well he coached college obviously is good with young kids but yeah but all all those kids are the same age and like the turnover is pretty quick right so it's like you're not you don't have guys signed for seven years in junior or you don't have guys signed for seven years in college right (laughs) that have been that have been in the league for maybe 10 years before that so i think you know so i think devil's advocate there i don't think that just because you were a good college coach that means that you can coach in the nhl and you're good with young players so i think like i'm I'm, but I'm willing to go, I'm, I'm willing to see what happens. I'm willing to let it play out. I'm not, like I said, I'm kind of whelmed by it, but I'm not angry about the hire. I, I'm, I'm willing to let it play out. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? The Sharks suck and then they get a good draft pick and, right? Like, what yeah, is my, the worst my that thing, happen? guys, is that I think this team is destined to be a bottom seven team next year again no matter who's behind the bench Mm -hmm. and i think david quinn if this is if what i say comes true david quinn's going to be the fall guy and that's not fair i think david quinn for a lot of his tenure with the rangers was the fall guy i mean even when he was fired from the rangers i think we even had a show that said ah that wasn't right you know, the the way he went out was was pretty bad. I don't even remember what it was, to be quite well, honest. But I remember our feelings were that it it I, wasn't right that he, he got a raw deal there. And, yeah. and I feel like, go ahead. I was just going to say, if I remember correctly, that was when he and Jeff Gordon were kind of 
you know, fired at the same time, kind of out of nowhere. You know, the owner, the ra- owner of the Rangers, sort of coming out of nowhere and saying, "We're firing all these people." Mm-hmm. Like it just yeah. the timing was really weird. Nick's attention. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because because Dolan generally doesn't give that kind of attention to the Rangers, and that was the big thing, right? Like there was talk about, oh, they're not tough enough to play against, and grr, arg. But the other thing too about the Rangers, like this season, obviously they had like a ridiculous turnaround this season. But like I think the other thing that I always get leery of, and it's it's a Jeff, Jeff Merrickism, and that's show me a good goalie, and I'll show you a good coach. Mm-hmm. Like. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm, and, and I'm not saying that Gerard Gallant isn't a good coach, but I think obviously it makes Quinn look a little bit worse when the Rangers do such a 180, but having a Vesna winning goalie will do that for your team. Doesn't hurt. Do- yeah, right. Doesn't hurt, right? <laughs> I, I, I liked what, what Uncle said in the chat as well, going back to, you know, rookies and getting mm-hmm. them out there and all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, Uncle said, good example, Kako. Capo Caco's ice time has barely gone up since Quinn was fired. And you just do a quick quick search on the internet. You know, the first two seasons with with Quinn there, Caco was getting just over 14 minutes. And, you know, the season with Gerard Gallant, he only had 15 and a half minutes. So to Uncle's point, not a big jump, despite the fact that, you know, many people are saying that Caco Capo Caco's career has turned around since since David Quinn was fired. Wait, the David, Co- I mean, the Capo Caco who was healthy scratched in the conference mm, finals? Yes, sir. One? Same guy. Yeah, Got so it. it's interesting. So like, I think, like, again, like, I don't love the hire, but, like, I am willing to let it play out. I'm willing to see where it goes. Yeah, and, exactly. And I think to, I know, Kevin, you say, and on some level I agree with you, Kevin, but you like to say that whoever the coach is, it doesn't matter. The outcome is going to be the same. I'm still of the belief that whether the Sharks are good, bad, neutral, whatever, still needed to fire Bob Bugner. And I think, you know, people are going to, like you said, Ian, you know, you're whelmed by the coach. And, you know, the take that I would have is it's an upgrade from Bob. I hope so. David David Quinn is is here to turn mm-hmm. the team around. And then we'll see where where they go from there. They could have the Sharks could have made a worse hiring here. They could have brought in someone who would just take them further and further into the depths of the standings. Um, John Tortorella is a coach who (laughs) I said that was was a hilarious hiring for the Flyers. Yeah, John Tortorella, you know, I mean, He'll light a fire under the Philadelphia Flyers, and he would have under the Sharks, I think, too. But after 20 games, is he the right coach? You know, you're bringing, I think the Flyers are bringing him in for four years or whatever. Um, Uh, But, you know, with the Sharks and David Quinn here, um, he'll have the time to turn this thing around and show what he can do. But again, to me, um, I don't see it getting worse. I do see it getting better with that co- this coach, and that's all we can really ask for right now. And especially when we're just speculating right now, same with Mike Greer so far. The Sharks haven't played a game <laughs> with true, right? these guys in place. So I don't understand all the bashing that, oh, God, the Sharks. Why are the Sharks doing that? These They're making these moves that, that make no sense, which some of them, yes, we, we have even said they make no sense to us. But Let's not forget, 
how many people were saying Doug Wilson has to go. We need a culture change. We need Brent Burns to go and Eric Carlson to go. Well, that's why you're bringing Carter out. All this and stuff. The Sharks are getting the culture change. This is exactly what the naysayers wanted. So let it Kevin, play out, please. Ke- and and I'm not saying you guys aren't because I think mm-hmm. we're all in agreement on that. But I'm just saying for the masses. No, you're, let you're it right. Play Kevin, out, would please. you would you like a conspiracy theory? Oh, I love conspiracy theories. Sure. David Quinn's contract to be the head coach of the Sharks expires the same summer that Tomas Hurdle's full no move turns into a modified no trade. You know what the weird thing is? The moment you said David Quinn, without even saying anything more than that, <laughs> I already knew that's exactly where you're going with it because I, well, I and, thought it and, too when I, after I said Tortorella four years. And that's, Quinn, and, three and years. that's been yes. a point that you've made a lot. And I don't I don't know that I I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but I think it's a good point in that, you know, hurdles no move clause turns into a modified no trade right around the time you think they'll be good again. And Quinn's contract fits that timeline. So, you know, I think the idea that Quinn is the transitional coach, I think there might be some, some smoke to that. Yeah. I mean, Hey, we're not always here to agree with everyone because who wants to watch that podcast? If we're just agreeing and blowing smoke up the sharks butts all day, you know, we, we've got our opinions. We're allowed to disagree. And I think it makes for a better show. A Don't good, you folks agree or disagree point, in the Kevin. chat? Let us point, know. Kevin. That's a good point, Kevin. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I like I I'm willing to let C play. Like I'm interested by the moves like as far as like playing the young guys goes though. Like I'm curious to see what happens there because a lot of the moves definitely don't seem very How can I put this? Like I just feel like they're just putting a lot of bodies to climb over in the way mm-hmm. for for the young guys to to have any chance at having impact on this team. And and that's why I like Sasha Chmielewski going to the KHL next year. Russia aside, I like the move for him because it's his best opportunity to show that if he comes back to North America, he hopefully will have done some damage overseas. I think if he had stayed in the Sharks, he would have just fallen in with the pack with Noah mm-hmm. Gregor at Al and... Uh, and then maybe he doesn't have an NHL career. I think this at least gives him the opportunity to make a name for himself to where like last, uh, what last year or two years ago with, with Jonathan Dolan again, for me, Jonathan Dolan tore up a second tier league in Sweden. I wanted to see more, uh, but now playing in the KHL, if Chmielewski can do good things, um, he comes back possibly as a, a top six forward for the Sharks. I wonder if the, the Sharks knew that he was going to do that when they qualified him. Yeah, I'm, and I he, think but so. you know what though? Even if they like, you know, if they did, like, it's still to Kevin's point, like, it's still the right move. Oh no, to I do agree. Off, I like Chimelefsky. Like, yeah, and and I think, you know, it's. It's good to keep a player like that because, you know, the Sharks are obviously very high on Chemilevsky and, you know, it's it's good that they are allowing him to do this because had he, you know, had they not been in down with this, they, you know, we probably would have seen a mutual termination similar to Chakovich, similar to mm-hmm. Yoel Shellman. You know, you would have just seen a mutual termination. And 
and Vlad <laughs> yeah. Popkov, remember yes. him? Yes, and, and so the fact that that has not happened makes me, it makes me believe that the, the powers that be, Ian, are kind of in agreement with what you're saying and what you're saying, Kevin, about, you know, go over there, show us what you got in the top league, in the num- in the top tier. And and worth mentioning as well, Chemilevsky's contract over in Russia, it's only a one-year deal. Yeah. So that right. i think kind of tells you as well that you know if this was a situation where he was leaving and never coming back because generally i feel like euro player contracts but he's are not a euro player he's a, he's american like, he's right but you know but players players who go to europe and russia sure. is what i'm okay. saying yeah yeah like those contracts are like if the player is going over there to stay over there i feel as though those contracts are generally like really stupid long and yeah. you see a one year deal it makes you think okay this is temporary. Like if if he was going to leave and never come back, it would have been two, three, four, five years. Um, Ricky asking, do you guys feel like uh, Chemilevsky would uh, have filled the same role as Benino? Uh, Kevin, I, I'm going to defer to you because you watched Chemilevsky play most this last season. I, I I don't I don't think so at all. I think Sasha Chemilevsky thrives best when he's the uh, a second line playmaking left wing. Actually, he came up as a center slash right wing. I think he's played his strongest hockey on the Barracuda as a left wing. And uh, I don't think he's really he was deployed in some penalty killing roles with the Barracuda this past season, because as we saw, the Barracuda couldn't kill any penalties. So you just throw anyone out there and hope someone can block a shot every now and then because your goalie certainly couldn't. Uh, but yeah, Chemilevsky's not really uh, defensive minded enough, mostly because of his skating. Like he has defensive prowess, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have the skating to be able to, do it efficiently enough at the NHL level. And that's that's why I think he's not already a bona fide NHL player. I mean, a couple of years ago, we talked, you know, rave reviews over Sasha Shumilevsky, yep. a, a player who nearly made the Sharks roster as, a, I believe, a 19-year-old, yeah. for example. But his skating eventually caught up with him now. Um I think it improved last offseason. I'm really curious to see if he does come back from the KHL with the Sharks, how much improvement he will have done in the skating department this offseason and next offseason. Not only that, to your point, Kevin, face-offs. Not, He's a good face-off guy. Not at the you NHL. No, I like him. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, not at the NHL level. And I feel like if you're... Granted, it's an extremely small sample size, but... yeah. If you're hoping for him to become sort of the next Benino or discount Benino or whatever terminology you want to use, you got to be better at faceoffs. And I think yeah. to your and I think to your point, that's what makes him better as a playmaking left winger. Yeah. Only only problem with that, Kevin, as you've pointed out for the last three or four years, the Sharks have what seems like only left wingers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're not wrong. Well. That- uh, sorry, real quick. I, I said he's a good faceoff guy. He, yeah, he's a good faceoff guy at the AHL level. Again, I don't see him being a center in the NHL. Right. Um, now you're saying uh, the Sharks only have left wings. That's not good because there was an article that just came out on TSN <laughs> that said the Sharks were in the very bottom tier among left wings. Left that wing depth. Yeah, so, we, we, we can have a chat about that. Um. <laughs> 
Um, Not from a writer who I'm very fond of, but I just want to throw it out there. Yeah, we had so. we had a little we had a little uh, discussion uh, in the Discord. If you want to be in the Discord, talk to Mister Hockey underscore Jerk. Uh, he will hook you up. That um, is true. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so obviously the rest of, getting back to David Quinn, the rest of his staff is going to be uh, hopefully shown, I think, this week, next week. They said that his uh, coaching staff should be uh, sorted out. Um, But one of the names that, uh, as Kevin mentioned earlier, uh, Ryan Wasowski, Shang pretty much made it sound like this is a done deal. The Sharks weren't ready to uh, make any announcement of that today because there was no announcement of an announcement first, and that's how the Sharks do business. (laughs) Yeah, they they need a week to set up the press conference table. Right, so they didn't want to, they didn't, you know, because that wasn't uh, supposed to be included in today's, they will have an announcement about an announcement, uh, and and he'll probably be named. But Shang seemed very confident, and I trust Shang. Like, Shang generally doesn't get stuff wrong. Uh, as, as, as far as like stuff like this goes. Um, so Wersofsky, uh, 34 years old, uh, young guy. Um, yep. He's an assistant coach uh, on the Calder Cup winning team. Yes. No, he was the head, head coach, coach of, the of the Chicago of the Chicago Wolves, Wolves 2020. He, yes. And then 2019, he was also the assistant coach on the Charlotte Checkers, which were the also the Calder Cup winning team that year. Yes. I do want to just point out, because I, I actually meant to bring it up each of the last two shows mm-hmm. we did, the Carolina Hurricanes farm team in the AHL have won back-to-back Calder Cups over the span of four years. Go figure that one out <laughs> with two different franchises, no less. But anyway, uh, Ryan Warsawski was the assistant coach with Charlotte back in 2019, and then the head coach... Uh, with Chicago this year and Charlotte beat Chicago in 2019, which makes it even more confusing. Um, But the, uh, the sky's the limit with him. I mean, I think he has been the most sought after AHL coach for an NHL role, not necessarily as an NHL head coach yet, but just getting him to the NHL level for, at least two years now. Ryan Warsawski is incredibly young. I don't 34. know his age off the top of my head, but I think 34. he's 35, 36, somewhere in there. 34. Uh, to already have this kind yeah. of resume as a 34-year-old head coach, this is why I say he's not the head coach right now. I He does have a resume in the AHL. I'd like to see him do something a little bit more in the NHL in an assistant role, for example, before he takes the full-on reins. Um, but I definitely think if David Quinn is on the path that I believe he's on, Ryan Warsawski could definitely be the Sharks head coach in two mm-hmm. to three Yeah, years. and I like this for, for, for that reason too, but not only for that reason, right? I think the one thing that the Sharks have really lacked, um, especially more recently, is not only when they've, they've had to go looking for in-house ways to solve their own problems, but they haven't really been a destination for other teams looking to pry coaches from either their AHL bench or their NHL bench of late like pretty much ever since like Todd McClellan left I want to say is last time they were really uh yeah like where where other teams were calling about San Jose's assistance right absolutely and the other thing with this guys is that if Warsawski does join the Sharks staff it's some youthful exuberance because the really the only 
example that we have of this is Doug Wilson Jr. joining the the Shark scouting staff before he just recently departed. So it's it's nice to get another youthful voice in Ryan Warsawski um, go, going forward and, and kind of, again, push out the old guard. We've seen some mm-hmm. reassignments here uh, announced today, actually, um, which Ian can go over. But, yeah, there's... I think that's another an, another thing here. But as a 34-year-old head coach, I think it says a lot when all the players r- truly believe in what he has been building down in the AHL. I mean, nothing but great things from media, um, the, the Hurricanes organization, but also the players. The players say that he's really built uh, a strong foundation. They believe in his system. Um, and and think about what we said about Roy Sommer for a number of years, how Roy Sommer was a great dad for for the Sharks prospects, but not necessarily foundationally strong. And again, Warsawski would then leapfrog over where Sommer was at the AHL. But I, I think that says a lot, especially when there is that young nucleus coming coming in like Eklund, mm. like Bordalo. Um I think there will be a lot of related well, and there. and the the thing that I I think is is worth mentioning as well is you for the most part you look at every AHL team it's usually a mixture of young players your prospects your your guys that you're waiting to see if they can go to the NHL level but also your you know your AHL journeyman your Chris Mueller's of the world for you Kevin uh you know so and yeah, Dragonzino, exactly. exactly. You're with you you have sort of this mixture of your your prospects and your AHL journeymen, and similar to what you were talking about, Ian, earlier, is being able to have a relationship, whether you're a veteran, whether you're a rookie, whether you're in the middle, and being able to be universally liked across the board, older guys, younger guys, in the middle, and and I and I think that's just another feather in his cap where he has found a lot of success at the AHL level, and he has been universally liked across you know, player groups and age groups and that kind of stuff. And I think that's another thing that's really positive to look forward to if your theory about him eventually becoming the head coach comes true, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I Like, I'm excited about this. Like, I haven't really been excited about the Sharks bringing in a guy since they brought in, I would say, like, Rocky Thompson was the last time where I was like, hell yeah. Like, hell yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, this was definitely my first hell yeah moment of the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, now Shang has to write and this has to actually come to fruition, but I, again, I don't doubt that it will at this point, but yeah, this was like my first, like, hell yeah of the summer. Now, like, unfortunately, Rocky Thompson, uh, got a bad case of the freedoms and now he's elsewhere, um, which is unfortunate because I think Rocky Thompson he, though is a, like just a rising star in the coaching ranks yeah. and so is Warsawski. So it's, it's, it's nice to have guys like that choose San Jose. Yes. Yeah, and Rocky Thompson was well beloved by everyone who wasn't a Vander Kane, and uh, he's the perfect—he's the perfect complement in Philadelphia now to John Tortorella, the aforementioned John Tortorella. So, but I think that, and I have been speculating about this, not seeing any anything to it, but my speculation has been the other assistant coach will be Kelly Bookberger, mm-hmm. uh, and given. 
Mike Greer's announcement. The funny thing was, I thought originally maybe Bookberger and Todd Marchant for head coach uh, for assistant coaches, and then I thought, nah, there's no way they pried Todd Marchant out of Anaheim. <laughs> Surprise! Surprise! Um, <laughs> so I I think you just keep on with that that Oilers trend, the late '90s Oilers trend. We already have Doug Waite in the organization, Mike Greer, Todd Marchant, Kelly Bookberger was an assistant coach for Laval who made it to the final four this year yeah. in the Calder Cup playoffs. So I could could see him rounding out the bench. And then you've got that veteran assistant coach in Bookberger with the young up and coming assistant coach in Warsawski. And then Quinn who's, you know, leading leading the charge but also has been to the dance before. I think it, that makes a nice mix if that's what ends up happening. Yeah, I don't I don't hate that coaching staff. Um yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting, right? So uh, just to go over a couple of the other things that were announced today, uh, Chris Morehouse is the now the new director of amateur scouting, formerly of the New York Rangers, also worked in the Columbus uh, front office before that. Uh, Scott Fitzgerald, coming from the Bruins, is the director of hockey operations, formerly the chief college scout for the Bruins. Um, you know, Tom Holly returns to the... Holly returns to the, the Sharks. He was here before as a media relations guy before yep yes yeah yeah i believe he's he was right there with uh scott emmert uh in in that capacity i know tom holy's like legendary in the sharks uh uh back office front yeah. office whatever lore um players love him so yeah, i he's think he's an assistant really gm exciting. and he's going to oversee uh, the analytics bring... department staff budgeting and contracts he'll be the liaison between the sharks hoppy operation and the business departments um along with the nhl scheduling for the team so i mean that's that's seems like a nice hire again a lot of people are really excited about that hire so uh i mean it's front office stuff i'm not super crazy but i i like that they are going to um build a little bit more um of an analytics department i know that was something mike greer said when he was hired that he wanted to do and um that's, i think something that the sharks dabbled in a little bit but they never really were full tilt so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out jerk i cut you off i apologize no i, I was just going to say you know the one of the big reasons why uh Joe Pavelski signed in Dallas was that Tom Holly was there. So, you know, Pavs is coming back, guys. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, I, I do agree. I, I think, you know, we, we did sort of see, you know, even though they would never come out and say it, uh, we did see a bit of a trend towards the, towards analytics under the Todd McClellan, uh, leadership, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like with, with DeBoer and with Bob, you know, the Sharks kind of went backwards on that a little bit. And so with the new staff they're bringing in, especially, you know, at the top with the GM, but the the people beneath him as well, I think I think it is a positive step. I mean, a lot of teams are going that direction. And while some of it I may not necessarily agree with or even understand, I think there is some merit to it. And so, you know, I don't think it hurts to have your hand in as many cookie jars as possible. Uh, yeah, um, and Tarek Merchant, like you mentioned, he is coming to be the player development director and senior advisor. And Tim Burke is no longer the assistant GM. He is now a senior advisor and pro scout. So I think the one thing that we saw with this is obviously a lot of the deck chairs are getting moved and a lot of the uh, 
not all of them, obviously, because like obviously Joe Will's still uh, in his position, but you're seeing a lot of Doug Wilson guys kind of either outright leaving or getting reassigned. So I, I like that aspect of it, I guess. Um, I like Marty's comment though. The hires remind the hires remind me of in, in, in the Mighty Ducks too, where Charlie Rollerblades all over getting the old team back together, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> White Greer flying all over the East Coast, grabbing all his guys. Uh, yeah, there's there's a little of that, isn't there? But I, I think that's fine, right? Like Mike Greer um, obviously has been given the the go to bring in his guys. And I think that is something that we were all, I think, kind of worried about when the GM job came available. It was like, okay, is this going to be a new GM? And is he going to have carte blanche? Or is it going to be a GM where, you know, Doug Wilson's like the puppet master and it's still, you know, kind of Doug Wilson's show without being Doug Wilson's show. And I think that's what probably would have happened if uh, Doug Wilson's health was better and maybe he doesn't lose his job. Maybe he gets promoted out of his job or something. And I, I so I like this. I mean, these like maybe you don't have to like all the names, obviously. Right. And I, I can definitely see people being like, oh, well, that guy was in Boston and he was in the scouting department when they did that awesome draft where they had three picks and took nobody. Um, well, Jake DeBrusque's a player. Um, right. Right. So yeah, I, I, I don't hate this. Like I'm, I like that he has been given carte blanche to kind of bring in his guys and move guys around. Well, and to your point, Ian, the thing that among everything else, the thing that I was really worried about the most talking about setting yourself backwards, mm-hmm. the minute, the minute that, you know, Doug Wilson Jr. mutually agreed that the Sharks should fire him or however it went down. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I was like, fuck, back to Tim Burke, and we're going back to, you know, we're going backwards mm-hmm. 10 years on the drafting strategy. And I think, you know, I, I, I think, I do think Tim Burke brings something to the table. Um, being a good director of pro scouting is, or I'm sorry, amateur scouting is not that. So to see, to your point, you know, these Doug Wilson guys sort of being moved around and sort of their, their clout within the organization sort of being not as important as it once was, you know, I, I, I think that's a, that's a positive feeling as well, because it could, would have been very easy for Mike Greer, or even if Doug Wilson senior had stuck around, it would have been very easy to have been like, Oh, you know, Berkey, you're, uh, you know, you did it before. Just do it again. But no, to like go out and bring someone else and do the shuffling, as you said, I think it gives Greer an opportunity to shape the franchise, shape the organization in his own way and not, mm. you know, be just like you said, oh, you know, trying to sift through, you know, Doug Wilson Sr. has been gone for five years, but it's still his team and his organization. You know what I mean? There's a lot of that that's been removed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with Mike Greer, I'm kind of going to transition a little bit away from the staff and more towards the roster for a sec, if you guys don't mind. But obviously, Mike Greer has signed a lot of players that we have either said, that's a good player if the situation was different, or why is this player even here? I think what Mike Greer is doing, he's pretty much publicly recognize that the the sharks are not good enough right now to contend 
to be a playoff team. He's not outright saying that the team is rebuilding, but bringing in these the, the players that he has, the depth guys, Nico Sturm, mm. for example, because that's the name who that keeps jumping out to me. Um, these players are now in a, in a situation where next year they might not be around. But Mike Greer is going to want to see, all right, who is playing well enough that we'd be willing to keep them two, three years down the line when the Sharks are going to contend? So while, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lack of sexiness on the roster that Mike Greer has built for now. This is not the long term roster right now. Let's let's not lose sight of that. Um, it also does force William Eklund and Thomas Bortolo to show that they should be in the NHL, although I believe we both we all believe that they should uh, to start the season. Um, but yeah, Mike Greer is able to shape the team how he wants it. I think this is just step one of a 19 step path, uh, step path back to success. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know necessarily think it's carte right. blanche, but I think that there's definitely a long-term game being played right now. And, uh, Greer's in control of that or starting to take control. Well, and and the thing that I've noticed when any anybody that's, you know, Greer, Quinn, anybody else, they've been out talking press conferences and they're on the radio and all this kind of stuff. Nobody is saying we want to win the Stanley Cup. Nobody is saying we want to make the playoffs. Nobody, you know, the word that keeps coming out is, or the phrase rather, we want to be competitive. And being competitive, yes. that doesn't mean being good. That doesn't mean making the playoffs. It doesn't mean winning the cup. It just means not completely folding like a chair anytime you have to play a playoff yeah. team. And I and I think that's important. You know, the Sharks, I think last year the Sharks was, of the three crappy years the Sharks have gone through right now, last year was easily the best of the three, if you want to call it that. Because they finally yes. had found a competitive identity, an identity where, yeah, they may suck, but they're going to try. Yeah. And they're going to, you know, pl- for lack of a better word or a better explanation, do their best, right? And I think, you know, building that competitive spirit, even if you are not a good team, I think it's important because then when you become a good team, you still exactly. have that same competitive spirit. I completely agree. I with think, that yeah. Here, here's the thing too. Like, and I think I I can understand the frustration still in the fan base, right? Because I feel like the problem sure. is is like there's, the sharks are saying all the right things, but these are all the things that we heard last season and the season before yeah. that. So I can understand why sharks fans are frustrated because they're like, yeah, but we've heard this two years in a row, and now we're hearing it again, just new faces, new faces same thing right and i think that's i think that's probably the frustrating thing for sharks fans because you're look you're because obviously mike greer is coming in and this is just the starting point this is year zero of whatever right and i think so if you're a sharks fan you've been hearing this for the last three years and now we have to do this again i can understand the frustration there but at least it feels this year like they're trying to do that i mean obviously look at like there have been major things that have happened. Brent Burns is no longer on the team. That never would have happened last year, two years ago. No. Right? 
Not at all. You're you're right. So I can understand the frustration though from from the fans and being like, well, yes, but these these are all good things, but these are things that we 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 had to fix the culture last year. We had to fix the culture the year yep. before that. Now we have to fix the culture again. Yeah, I I, I get that it, and- that line's getting a little tiring, but but <laughs> at the same time, it's like, but now things are actually changing. So. I think what hurts with the Sharks fan base right now with the team is the fact that now there is a lack of true identity, not necessarily marketing identity, just identity. They left the last player really remaining that fans, the the consensus of fans could identify with was Brent Burns. And now he's gone. He was like the lot to me, the last of the old guard. I know Couture was there. Mm-hmm. Hurdle was there really hurdle is the guy who I I've said the sharks need to build the franchise around to for one until they draft Connor Bedard, for example. But uh, the other thing is just that I think the consensus is, is not there about Eric Carlson, who is the other player who could uh, be built around, but he's a polarizing right. player. You either yeah. love him or you hate him. There's very few people who are in that middle ground. So um, right now, it's just, it's just that that rebound period of there's no more Thornton, there's no more Marlowe, there's no more Pavelski or Burns. Half the fan base doesn't want to identify with Carlson. Everyone likes mm-hmm. Hurdle, mostly loves Hurdle. And Couture's pretty split too, so that's yeah, another thing I, where I think a lot how, of the... like Eric Carlson's a lightning rod, but like Logan Couture has become just a shorter lightning rod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, like a tiger's right. We do have to be careful because if we say Eric Carlson like a few more times, a, a wild AJ Strong will appear, and we don't want that. <laughs> I don't need the show going off. I, we we don't need an Eric Carlson. Um, Grant, so I'm, we're gonna we're gonna move on. You're as he says it like another time. <laughs> I like damn fate. Um, so the sharks. Um, I we can move on. Yeah, everyone's everyone's good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the sharks did sign a few more contracts. Uh, obviously avoiding arbitration with a couple of players. Uh, they did sign uh, Kapokakinen to a two-year, two-point-seven-five million uh, AAV contract. Um. I was surprised how split the reaction was on this contract. So it came in a little bit higher than I thought it was going to. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was going to be like maybe two and a half. But I'm kind of surprised like that there was a lot of pushback on this. Uh, yeah. Go yeah, ahead, Kevin. I'm, go ahead, Kevin. Go ahead. Oh, I wanted to say that, yeah, I, I'm with you on that, Ian. I thought this did seem a little bit high, but I think this is fine. I think that this is a contract that Kakunen can easily play his way into, um, especially if James Reimer does become trade bait, like I think he will be at the trade deadline and not before that. Um, Kakpo Kakunen can take the reins and by that point, prove himself to be worth the $2.75 million contract that he's got. I think he definitely has the talent. Um, I've been high on him for a very, very long time, as Jerk knows. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if he's your your goalie who takes you to the Stanley Cup, because I think if he, if he was, he'd already be further along in his development than he is and that contract would be higher but still i think the i think the salary is fine there um i think it 
is more glaring just because it's a three goalie situation with the Sharks right now. But I think overall, I'm okay with that. I think it's a really good contract. I mean, if for no other reason, then it buys the Sharks time for Hill and Reimer to come off the books. So I think on that level, it's a good contract. But also, and and these guys know this, I truly believe that Capo Kakinen is going to be the Sharks goalie of the future. I think... I yes. think after this two-year contract, I think he'll sign a seven-year extension, and we're all going to love it, and it's going to be awesome. And mm. the I just you look to me, you look at the stats, not even just with the Sharks or with the Wild this year, but across his entire career, it's indisputable that he is a pretty good goalie. And I think especially this year, a nine sixteen save percentage, only won two of his eleven starts. Yeah. And yeah. and I think I, I agree with you, Ian. I was very surprised at how much pushback there were on this on this deal because to me, Capo Kakinen is the not only the best of the three goalies, but on his own a really good goalie. So I, I, I think if we're talking home runs and we're talking duds and what whelmed us and underwhelmed, overwhelmed, all that stuff, on the contract front, this is the one where I'm like, I'm getting my red pen and I'm circling it and I'm writing yes next to it. Like, this is the one that I'm absolutely in love with. Yeah, and I like this because, nice. like, I, I agree. Like, I'm really high on Capo Kakinen. I think Capo Kakinen's probably the guy going forward. But if he isn't, it's a two year contract, right? I said the same thing mm-hmm. when we signed Aiden Hill. Yeah. Like, maybe Aiden Hill's a guy, maybe yeah. he's not. In two years, it doesn't matter. You can sign someone else. And, and that's the thing. Yep. If it doesn't work out, all you did was give all you did was give up Jake Middleton, a guy who played very well, but was you know for the longest time a seventh NHL defenseman at best. Jake Middleton was one hundred percent capital yeah. gains Absolutely. from the start. So as as much as it sucks to lose Jake Middleton now, they made out like bandits compared to he was a free agent let go as a prospect by the los angeles kings and had to work his way from an ahl deal to an nhl deal to being uh, a prominent defensive defenseman so the sharks were all capital gains to get a goalie of the future for a player you picked up originally on an ahl contract yeah absolutely and that's the thing if it doesn't work out you only gave up jake middleton and if it does work out you only gave up Jake Middleton and you got your goalie of the future. Like yeah. I don't un- yeah. like unless Capo Kakinen like, like commits murder. I don't see how this can end badly for the sharks, which <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would be, he'd be the last person on this team that I would expect. <laughs> always the people you least expect though. Right. But you get what I'm saying. Like there's, I, I don't see a scenario where the right. sharks, lose out like lose on taking a chance on him you know what i mean yeah yeah no i i agree like and like i said like i i think it's good because it's it's a short-term deal right so if it doesn't work out you can kind of roll the dice on another guy and if it does Mm -hmm. work out great you found your goalie of the future and he beat out all your other 700 goaltenders that you have signed under contract (laughs) we'll get there in a second <laughs> Did you see Steve in the chat? Please don't commit murder, Capo. <laughs> yeah, please. Yes, please, Capo. Please don't. don't do it. We yes, like uh, you. He's gonna murder. Capo, Caco. Yeah. yeah. He'll be like, there can only be one. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. Again, future humanitarian of the year, Capo Kakanen. I don't see uh, being the guy to do that. So no. Um, okay. Luke Cunning got a two-year, two-point-seven-five million dollar AV. That's a, a deal to me. Um, I he's probably a little underwhelmed by that price point. Yes. Um, it's a gamble, right? Again, another another gamble, but two years. Again, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm you. You look at the stats. You look at the way things have trended uh, the last pretty much since he left Minnesota. I mean, he started scoring less and taking more penalties. But you know, uh, a really close friend of mine, you know, is was is a Minnesota Wild fan, and and the first thing he said to me was, "Sharks fans will fall in love with Cunning because of the way he plays," and. He the way Luke Cunningham plays is very similar. Whatever you think of the player, mm-hmm. it's very similar to the way that Mike Greer and David Quinn want the Sharks to be competitive, hard to play against. And yeah, does he take a lot of stupid penalties? Sure, I'll hear that. And maybe he could stand to score a few more goals. Absolutely. But if you just look at it from the perspective of, OK, are the Sharks doing what they said they want to do? Yes. OK, where do we go from there? And. I agree with you, Ian. I think it's a, like it's a shoulder shrug signing. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, it, it kind of, and I know, I know, our buddy Mark is is is, you know, in tears right now because the Sharks had to give up John Leonard to get Cunning. Um, but almost kind of the you know same thing where if it works out, cool. You have a player who fits the Sharks' identity and happens to be a good player. And if it doesn't work out, well, there's a million other players like Luke Cunning that you can go out there and pick up for free. Yeah, and look at I like John Leonard, but I don't know where John Leonard fits would, would have fit on this team with all the signings and all the guys coming in. Like, where does John Leonard yep. fit at that point? I don't know. He'd have gone. He'd have gone to the KHL to play against Sasha Shmulevsky. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, he would have. Yeah, either that or he would have. You know, he would have gone to Switzerland. You know, like every other Sharks player, yeah, bottom think, six player who can't make it work. Yeah. Here's here's the here's the question I have though, right? And and again, the games haven't been played yet, so I don't know. It's where do they see Cunning fitting into the lineup? Because if like if this is if this guy's supposed to be on our second line, yeah. and Kevin LeBanks still on this team, that's a second line that's going to spend a lot of time in the box for stupid reasons. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong there. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I guess the Sharks really hope that Luke Cunning turns into like a Scott Thornton type player, mm-hmm. which I mean that name obviously goes back uh, for the newer Sharks fans. Um, but you know, uh, a guy who can chip in goals and play physical and and be a third line left wing. I think that's really where he uh, is best suited as a as a third line left wing. Um, but the one thing about this contract that you know you you hold out hope for because for me this is a little bit too rich for my blood for what i expect luke cunning to bring yeah, sure. me too. That, um, and that's kind of where I, i'm at like that's why I, i'm like i'm a little more shaking my head wondering why than shrugging my shoulders i think at this one this one right. confuses me but i will say many years ago and again i'm good this is going to date uh beyond the the newer sharks fans but Manny Malhotra, mm-hmm. not the same type of player, no. but Manny Malhotra signed a three-year, $9 million contract with the Sharks a long time ago, and we all shook our heads and shrugged and said, what? And he was at, worth every penny of that $9 million contract. So hopefully Luke Cunning can 
find his role, play it very well, yeah. and then the 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 money is a moot point at this point. I think the money's a little bit high though because of his qualifying offer. Didn't his qualifying offer have to be a bit on the high side? I know yeah. he didn't sign his qualifying offer. Yeah, he but did negotiate. I believe it had to be a little on the high it, side. It was a little. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a little up there. So I mean, there is that. I guess. Um, I don't know. I I I don't like the dollars, but I, the dollars aren't so high that I'm like what is going on here right like i'm not gonna <laughs> sure. go apocalyptic about it it's just it's i just i just don't i just want to know where they think he fits on the team and again once the games get played we can have things that we can you know we can we can figure all these things out uh another guy that they yeah. that they brought over uh steven lorenz uh two-year one-way uh 1.05 million aav I don't hate this deal. Um, I think that Steven Lorenz is a guy like I think me and Kevin wildly differ. Kevin, I think you've been on the record saying you see this more as a Barracuda guy. And I see this more as 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 a guy who's going to fight with like VL and Gadjevich for for NHL time. But even at one point zero five, like I think is it a little bit high? Yes. But is the cost of living in the Bay Area a little high? Also, yes, I'm fine <laughs> with it. Steven Lawrence, I think, can definitely play on the Sharks this year. I just think that of the the glut of bottom six forwards that the Sharks have, right now he's my odd man out. And I know that he did play decent games for the Carolina Hurricanes last season, and I think possibly even the season before that. But for me, he's a left-handed Lane Peterson. And with Lane Peterson not really having a role with the Sharks last year, that's why I think that Lawrence is, has an uphill battle going into this year. Um, but again, being the fresh face uh, on a one-way deal, the Sharks obviously believe that he can play NHL minutes, and I believe he can play NHL minutes. He's definitely got uh, a great work ethic. Mm -hmm. He can chip in goals from time to time, but he's going to be a fourth-line player. He's going to be more in a penalty-killing role, and I think that's fine. I think his skating is fine. I think his defense is fine. I think he can chip in goals. But I said the same thing about Lane last year, right. and we saw what happened. So that's that's why I have Lawrence pegged as the top-line center for the Barracuda this next season. Um, but he definitely can be a shuttle guy he'd have to clear through waivers right so that's the only thing I, I know one thing that like uh no sorry jerk i didn't mean to cut you off i know one thing like one thing that i've seen a lot of like from like hurricanes fans about this player is like they're sharks fans they just all unanimously seem to agree that we're gonna love this guy so i'm i'm looking forward to loving this guy go ahead jerk yeah i was gonna say i i and you know <laughs> maybe this is the coward's way out here but i think you're both right like i think he will be the guy that competes uh, with VL, with Gadjevich, with Matt Nieto, you know, with these guys for that fourth line spot. And, and, you know, maybe he makes it, maybe he doesn't. But if he doesn't, I think to Kevin's point, you know, he'll go to the Barracuda, he'll play very well, and, and it'll be fine. And obviously, yes, he does have to clear waivers, but he doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to get picked up off waivers. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think where wherever he ends up, like if he plays good enough to be in the NHL, awesome. And if he doesn't and he goes to the Barracuda and rips it up there, even better, because I think we're all in agreement that, you know, this may be the most exciting year for the Barracuda yet outside of their run to the conference final. So, you know, I, I, I think it's a win-win no matter where he ends up. And I know people... 
people are going to be pissy about what he does because he came over in the Brent Burns trade and that for some reason determines how well he's supposed to play, obviously. Um, like I said, I just similar to Capo Kakin, I don't see a situation where the Sharks look bad having Steven Lorenz in the organization. Yeah. No. Um, and uh, last but not least, Kevin, it's apology time because you said this. Uh, and uh, we didn't even we didn't even ask you to rate Arundel. Like we we didn't do it. You you decided <laughs> to do this all on your own. And uh, the guy, this guy who has, in my opinion, one of the best mask games in the league, uh, he is under contract with the San Jose Sharks on a uh, two way contract. Kevin, uh, would you have? Do you have anything you want to say to to our buddy Arundel? Hey, on that show, we all said we love Arundel. <laughs> But he doesn't have a future in the NHL anymore. That is long past. I was actually, funny enough, I didn't know this was even going to ha- be brought up on this show, but I was thinking about Arendelle right before jumping on here because I'm still trying to figure out where he fits with this team. The Sharks already have three goalies. The Barracuda already have two goalies and Zach Amon for whatever that is. And... So Aaron Dell becomes the third goalie for the Barracuda or something? Because Aaron Dell had a very good year in the AHL last year for Rochester, so he still can compete there. I started to wonder, the Anaheim Ducks, well, really more the San Diego goals, kept bringing back Jeff Glass year after year. And he saw his games played get lower and lower and lower because he was transitioning into becoming a goalie slash coach. Mm. And I almost wonder, is Aaron Dell here to be kind of the, I mean, clearly he's going to be on the Barracuda to be the mentor. Uh, I can't see a situation where he's on the Sharks. Um, But could he be mentoring and kind of positioning himself into being on the bench for the games that he doesn't dress because Jeff Glass played zero games for San Diego last year despite being on the roster all year Aaron Dell's not quite as old as Jeff Glass but I'm just wondering I'm I'm still pulling at strings trying to figure out why Aaron Dell's back but we do love Aaron Dell he will live in infamy (laughs) in this organization for dragging the 2015 Barracuda into the <laughs> kicking and playoffs when they had no business going. So we love Aaron Dell, a very capable AHL goalie and had a very good run in the NHL with the Sharks. But the last few years have not been kind to him. Um, but hey, uh, he met his wife here in, in San Jose. So they get to return home or at least she does. And um I'm happy for him. I don't understand it, but I'm happy for the Dell fam. Here, uh, here's, some, here's something else to think about, and this is in no way related to what Kevin was saying, but it's just something else that <laughs> popped into my head. So Aaron Dell was, you know, the, the infamous injury on Drake Batherson happened, oh. happened on January 25th, and Dell was suspended three games on January 26th, and was placed on waivers and sent to the AHL before Buffalo's next game. So my question for the group, is Aaron Dell still suspended? Hmm. That's a fantastic question. To your point, Kevin, I don't think he makes it to the NHL this year. But if he does, that's something to think about. 
Well, here's 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 the thing. Some of the I don't know if it's conspiracy theorists or whatever, but some people have even thought of the Sharks trading Aaron uh, uh, Aiden Hill. Okay. Oh God, a tandem of Aiden Hill and Aaron <laughs> Dell as a announcer's nightmare. Um, the Sharks trade Aiden Hill and then trade. That James was my Reimer cons- that's my conspiracy deadline. theory. Yeah. Is they trade Hill soon and, and, and then they trade Reimer at the deadline and then Aaron Dell backs up Kabukakinen for the remainder of the season. Yeah. Well, so I mean there there is that. But uh in that case, the suspension I think would come into play. But the 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 weird thing is is the AHL honors NHL suspension. So they should have But yeah. I don't think those things go hand in hand they're not apples to apples per se so like yeah Aaron Dell served the suspension in the AHL but that doesn't mean he's served it in the NHL so I think he would actually have to serve yeah and yeah. and and I know I like the point that you made as well about the goaltending because I saw a couple people in the chat have said do we think the Sharks trade Hill or Reimer and I'm here to tell you it's both yeah uh, you know if it's and... not something's gone terribly off the rails right I I still have hope for Aiden Hill. Oh, me too. It's just but... that I I think that Kapokakinen is the guy. Mm-hmm. He's going to eventually be the guy. And and so it's just it's hard. Aiden Hill's in a Aiden hard Aiden Hill's spot in a tough here. spot because he didn't he's, play he's, poorly to me, last he's, year. He's on Tiranta. He's a good goalie when he's healthy. But when yeah. is he healthy? Yeah. Right? That's... Yeah. Like that's that's the thing I have with Aiden Hill. So I don't like I think yeah, if the Sharks move Aiden Hill, then it's probably at a loss and I'm sure it's going to make a lot of people angry. Here's here's the other thing too though, but like also you can't rule out Aiden Hill coming in and having a really good start and then making it very hard to trade him. Like yeah, right. I I'm not ruling that possibility out either. Like I I think yeah. Like to me, in my mind, Aiden Hill's the odd guy out right now because I think it's James Reimer's net and it's Kapo Kakinen's job to take the net from James Reimer. That is his yeah, job this 100%. season. 100%. And if he does that, well, then obviously that makes James Reimer expendable because James Reimer's got one more year left on his deal and he's he's a stopgap guy. I love James Reimer. But James Reimer's the stopgap. He was here to solidify things. Well, either Aiden Hill and now obviously Kapo Kakinen gets his stuff together, right? Fair. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm just, yeah, I'm just curious to see like what happens there. And that's kind of my conspiracy theory too. And uh, Ricky in the chat, uh, I had this up here and I haven't uh, got to it yet, but he said McIniemy had off-season surgery. Dell is the temporary replacement. Here's another thing I have too about that. So obviously Strauss just coming out of college doesn't have a ton of AHL experience. McIniemy doesn't have a lot of AHL experience. I think it's very important this year to the Sharks for the Barracuda to be good. And if Aaron Dell has to start a bunch of games for that to happen, I 100% believe that will be the play. If, if these guys can't, again, it's kind of like Capo Kakinen in the, in the NHL. I'm wondering if Aaron Dell's the guy where McIniemi and um, Strauss Mon, man, yes, sorry, Mon, I don't want to keep calling him Mon, like Mon, hey, Mon. It's, it's, it's like, <laughs> Two ends, not two ends. Oh no, not Amon. Amon. <laughs> right? Like stress man. So I like I I I think it's very important to the Sharks for the Barracuda to be very, very good this year. 
That's a great point, though, Ian. Like, I've said for since this show (laughs) began, look at the Giants, the San Francisco Giants. They won by winning in the development levels. They those players won at every level on their way up to becoming world champions for the San Francisco Giants. Like you have to breed a winning culture here. So if Aaron Dell is the guy, because he's still a capable AHL goalie, he, he, you know, let it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's still kind of, I don't know if it's worst case scenario, because if you're winning, you're winning, but you'd like to see Strauss man really solidify himself as the number one goalie or E2 McAniemi. But uh, with, what we believe will be trades for uh, Reimer and for Hill impending. That probably puts Strauss Mann on the trajectory to be the backup goalie next year Possibly. if he has a good year with the AHL, in the AHL. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't hate that idea, Ian. I think that's a really solid point. Yeah. Um, a couple things in the chat, and then um, we'll kind of – I, I want to get to a couple things in the chat here before we – uh, before we wrap up a couple of other uh, Sharks loose ends here. Um, a little bit of the Evander Kane thing in uh, talk in the chat. Obviously, um, there's no date set for that hearing to be done. And even like who I, who I feel has been probably more patient with this than most, um, understanding that obviously you pay these people a lot of money and you work on their schedule. The fact that this isn't sorted now is getting a little ridiculous with training camp becoming um, so close. Now, the thing that's really important here is is that we don't really know what's going to happen. And there's a lot of discussion of what happens if Evander Kane wins his arbitration. Uh, does that make him a shark again? Does that mean the sharks just owe him money? Does that mean the sharks are in cap hell? The, the, the real answer is we don't know. There's there's been a lot of speculation, but until a ruling comes down, it's 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 unprecedented. We've never gone this far in this situation before the closest thing we've ever had was the mike richard situation but the mike richard situation was settled they went to a settlement the sharks and evander kane have no interest in settling this they're waiting for the arbitrator to decide it so when the arbitrator makes a decision we will find out what happens is does that make evander kane a shark i mean it could happen do i think that's going to happen no i don't understand why an arbitrator would be like, well, this is a great situation for him, right? Like, I just think the Sharks <laughs> will owe him his money. Like, why would you put him back? Like, why would you put him back on a team where he probably doesn't want to be? Like, it's not good for Evander Kane. It's not good for the Sharks. It's not good for the Oilers. Like, there's no winners with Evander Kane being sent back to just be a Shark. It could happen. Well, there's there's two things here that that I think about. Number one... You know, to your point, Ian, we've been waiting far too long for the arbitrator to <laughs> go back to work, essentially, on this case. And <laughs> and my we thought we were going on vacation. Right. Jeez, and and on. my take on the matter is, you know, this hasn't been settled or I, not settled as in settlement, but settled as in finished, like whatever the outcome is. Mm-hmm. This s- grievance has not seen an outcome in seven months. The fact that there's no urgency to finish it makes me think that Kane coming back on the Sharks isn't likely. Because if that was a very legitimate possibility, don't you think that ever, all parties would want it sorted out as soon as possible? Yeah. And 
And the other thing that comes to mind as well is, oh wow, I totally just lost my train of thought there. Um, it's allowed. Hey, that's my, that's my <laughs> job on the show. But Come on, jerk. It's it's just, I don't know. I I think the problem is that there's, and maybe I'm guilty of this too. But there's a lot of people who act as if they know what's going to happen. Okay. And to your point, and to your point, Ian, this is a very unprecedented situation. And we don't know what's going to happen. I, I mean, I think we can confidently say what is likely and what is unlikely, but unlikely doesn't mean impossible. Right. Like, and, could, yeah, like the arbitrator could rule that. Oh, oh okay. No, you didn't have the right to terminate it. Like, here's the thing. I don't think Evander Kane's going to win his arbitration regardless. So I think it's all a moot point. Oh, thank you. You reminded me what I wanted to say. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say is, to your point with the Mike Richards situation, that mm-hmm. was a settlement. And and the backstory on that is that L.A. tried to get slick and, you know, use a BS reason to terminate him and clear the salary cap, mm-hmm. which not allowed, which is why it went to settlement. Otherwise, the Kings would have been seriously boned on that one. But the... The Sharks have not settled in seven months because they think they're going to win. Yeah. And the NHL thinks the Sharks are going to win. And I got to say, like, based on the evidence that's out there, based on the information that's out there, I would be surprised if the Sharks don't win. And, and mm-hmm. I, you know, this is getting way too into the weeds but, you know, there's all that, you know, allegedly traveling, COVID positive, doing this, doing that, all this stuff. The only thing that I'll say, and then we can move on to something more exciting. Okay. The guy was busted for a fake, va- fake vaccination card. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Why, allegedly. Why is it so unlikely that he could procure a fake negative test? Yeah, the only thing... If he's got a fake vaccination guy, he's got a fake negative test guy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. And and here's the other thing. The the other problem, too, with the the, the traveling thing, and just uh, devil's advocate here, and I really hate being devil's advocate for Evander Kane. Um, Evander Kane's a Canadian citizen. He can come back home whenever the fuck he wants. It's a fair point. I I just want to make a joke here right now and say that... uh, Along with the fake vaccination cards and the fake negative tests, uh, also selling uh, fanatics Evander Kane jerseys out of the back of his car. Yeah. So uh, there's that. I mean, there's pl- there's plenty of those. Yeah, get yours for <laughs> ten bucks at the shark store. Yeah, I, I mean, okay. So like, yeah. So just to, I'm just gonna basically wrap up and kind of just I, I'm gonna speak for all of us here. But the the reality is, is we don't know what's gonna happen. And I think the sharks have gone about business this off season. Uh, under the impression that they are going to win. And if they lose, then they will deal with the repercussions and the fallout. And it'll be interesting to see what the repercussions and fallout is. Um, do I think Evander Kane is going to be a shark when this is over? No, 100% no. Could he be? Sure, I guess. But I don't know. Uh, uh, enough enough of Evander Kane. Uh, we do... I, I just hope it's over because I don't know how many different angles Brody Brazil has left to spin it on his YouTube channel because I feel like he's already posted about 15 different ways that Evander Kane's situation will turn out. And I don't know if there See, are you know any what? more. Like one day we're going to learn how to game the algorithm and we will do just repetitive content for the sake of repetitive content. 
We're going to game the algorithm <laughs> one day. You wait. Um, Brogan Smith uh, with the Super Chat donation. Uh, $1.99. Uh, off topic, but thoughts go. on the uh, rookie game. I thought it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed the, the little rookie scrimmage uh, YouTube thingy. Did you guys watch it? Enjoy it? I did not get to watch it personally, but from everything I read, everything I heard, people I talked to, it sounds like uh, it sounds like Goodrow came to play in that yeah, scrimmage. Really, yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah, and I think I know we've joked around about the sharks that you know everybody's you know every goalie is a shark, right? That's true. But all the goalies, like all the goalies, but for how many years that goaltending has been optional for the sharks it's nice to see them have some true legitimate prospects in the system that have a chance at becoming an impact player at the nhl level my thoughts on it were and thank yes, you thank for you. the donation brody Bro- broden <laughs> broden right? broden yeah broden <laughs> broden sorry um is yeah i enjoyed really, it really good too yeah as a as a fans from a fan's perspective, I very much enjoyed watching it. Um, from someone who does these podcasts and tries to give their thoughts about certain players and whatnot, I was frustrated by the format because a three-on-three tournament is extremely difficult to gauge who's doing what well, who's doing what poorly, especially when it comes to defensemen. Um, so I think that Strauss Mann had an excellent, excellent night. I think he was, to me, by far the best goalie out there. I know Goodrow had a really mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. final, uh, but I thought Strauss Mann... Uh, wait, wait, did Goodrow... Goodrow didn't play in the final because no, he got hurt, right? No, it was Goodrow played in the final. It was supposed to be... Um... That's right. Bo Pitt was supposed to play, but he got hurt. So Goodrow came in and and played great. Yeah. Uh, But Strauss Mann, I thought, uh, really excelled. And so those are the type of performances that you're looking for when you've got a three-on-three tournament where it's kind of like fundamentals kind of by the wayside. So the ones who stand out well, that's really what you grab onto. I thought Cam Lund was outstanding. I thought that he... For a player we were pretty down on for being drafted 34th overall in the draft this year, I thought Lund came out and Put on a really show. was trying to just shut every naysayer up imaginable because he was he was uh, beast moding out there. I mean, he was scoring some nice goals there, uh, pulling out some some solid moves offensively, but like he hustled and 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 really outworked a lot of the prospects that were out there. So I think Cam Lund was a major win. Uh, coming out of that uh, that tournament, but for me personally, I'd prefer to watch a, a five on five or even a four on four scrimmage format so that I can actually assess players who's who's doing well at what things. Um, but again, from a fan's perspective, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I didn't I throw it in it. the notes because here's the pro- like I agree with a lot of what Kevin said. And the reason I didn't really throw in the notes and we didn't spend a lot of time on I'm glad it was brought up in the chat. And I have no problem answering it. But I feel like the one problem here is you can take from one of these scrimmages is like, like again, Cameron Lund had a hell of a thing, right? But like, I'm curious to see what he looks like 
when he's playing real games in college because that's going to give me a better idea of what Cameron Lund actually is rather than a three-on-three scrimmage against like because obviously they had the Sharks goalies but they also had other goalies go in that were just guys that they brought into the camp who weren't basically aren't anything and that's you know maybe that comes off as rude but let's be honest here right like there's there's some guys where I think you expect them to do like I thought Bartolo had a really good time um but at the same time like Bartolo played NHL games last year he should look better than everyone out there Weatherby I thought Weatherby had a really good really good night but again Weatherby another guy who played NHL games he should be out there dominating guys who played in junior and college and wherever else last year so it's it's fun but I think a lot of things are made from these that are I think a lot of statements are made from these things that really just don't make any sense because it's just guys playing against their peers and they're not playing against NHL quality or even AHL quality competition to be completely fair. Yeah. Um, what kind of building off what you're saying or, or, or at least the flip side of it. So Scott Reedy and Ricky just mm-hmm. mentioned it in the chat, right? As I said, it, Scott Reedy did not look all that good in the scrimmage, but Scott Reedy didn't need to look good out there in, in and the three on three format, in my opinion show his skill like doesn't show what he's supposed to be there for he's scott reedy is a power play specialist he's not built around skating he's he doesn't Mm -hmm. score off the rush he scores off set plays and rebounds he's parked in front of the net and banging away at 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 the puck there battling in in front so scott reedy three on three where it's always just rush 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 you're right that doesn't suit his game. But at the same time, we know what Scott Reedy's going to do. I'm more curious to see what a guy like Cam Lund does, like Matthias Havilland does, obviously a defenseman versus forward. But I hope you mm-hmm. understand the point here. Those are the guys who need to stand out. But also Cam Lund being his first taste of any life in the NHL. Obviously, this is not an NHL game, but just being included in an organizational activity, he should go out there and play balls to wall balls, the wall. I think next year it will be the real yeah. telling telling factor here. Can Cam Lund do it again next at next year's tournament or scrimmage or whatever the sharks hold? Um, and we'll I think too, and um, people bring but... up Eklund in the chat. I thought Eklund's got better as the night went on. I think Eklund and Gushin both tried to do too much on their own. Uh, that night, I didn't right. think you probably would like this because they think they were together a lot. Like they were on the same group that was out there, and you'd like to see them do a little more with each other because they're both really creative guys. But they both kind of tried to do everything themselves. Uh, but I thought they both got better as the night went on. Um, but yeah, like it's just it's fine, right? Like I think it's it's fine. It's 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 a three on three. There's not a whole lot. Like I I, I don't think you should come away from be like, oh man. Cam Lund's going to be the best NHL goal scorer ever. Because again, like let's see, let's see what he does in, a, in an actual game in college next year. Let's see how he develops as a player. I, I did I like what I see? Absolutely. Um, but should you take anything from this as, oh my god, this is you know what this guy's going to be? No. No, 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 no. If anything, again, I think the the goaltending being mm-hmm. being good is is really what's up because three on three yeah. is hard for the goalies 
So the fact that Man and and Goodrow at times looked very good that that's super promising. Absolutely. Um, just thank yeah, you for thank, thank you, you thank, again, thank, Broden, for the, for the bringing that donation. Up. Thank you uh, for bringing that up. Uh, Denver had a question a little earlier. He said, "Question for the group: All in on tanking for Bedard, and then start going for it next year, or try to win as many games as you can this year and go for it in two, three years." I think the Sharks are going to. I think they're look at. I think they're going to try and do all the things they say they're going to do. Become a harder team to play against everything else, and I think they're just going to let the chips fall where they may. Um, I do think that they want the Barracuda to be really good, so I think it's going to be a hard road for any of the rookies, your Bortolos, your Ecklands, to make the NHL roster. I think they've got a lot of bodies and a lot of obstacles put ahead of them to do it. I think they could be there. Like I like both players, and I think you know would I be disappointed if if William Ecklands not doesn't start in the NHL. Yeah, I'd be a little disappointed with that cuz I think William Eklund's a guy who is going to be an absolute superstar in this league. Um, but you know, if uh if they all get sent to the Barracuda and the Barracuda can at least be, you know, even again, I'm not saying the Barracuda have to win the Calder Cup. I just think they have to be competitive. They can't get blown out like they did repeatedly last year. They want, you know, like they have to be in games. They have to be competitive and guys are going to, you know, they obviously they want the influx of players to help them there. I don't know who's playing defense for this team still. Maybe guys that we think might be on the NHL roster will be down there. Um, But I think it's important to the organization that the Barracuda be good. Kevin. I, yes, absolutely. Um, The Barracuda, if the Sharks are not going to be a playoff team next year, the Barracuda cannot be the last place team in the AHL. Like you, you have to see some progression somewhere in the organization. I am of the, I'm not of the tank for Batard thing uh, side, but I'm very much on the, it is what it is. Uh, as you will kind of standpoint on that. I think that's where Mike Greer is again. I think Mike Greer is looking at his club saying, let's start looking at foundational players for the future. Um, and whoever we don't see long-term will sell off at the deadline, like uh, Matt Nieto, for example. I know I always say that, but uh, him, for example, maybe Noah Gregor, even depending on how Gregor's season goes. Uh, but I think right now you just have to wait and see uh, how it all plays out. And then around Christmas time, we can reassess. But I would love to the Sharks to long term to go into the off season with as high a draft pick as possible. Because I, did, I think the Sharks still very much lack a true foundational prospect. I think William Eklund is nice. I think Thomas Bortolo is nice, but I don't think you build your team around either of those. And two I just, I don't, here's, here's the thing, right? Like with like this team, I don't care what you do to it. It's not going to be Chicago or Arizona. It's just not, there's no way to get it at that level of putrid. Um, I mean, unless you yeah. literally trade, Hurdle, Couture, Meyer, Eric Carlson. But you can't. Which do is that. not. But you're happening. not going to do that. No. Who has the money no, for I, that? Well, that's what. I'm, but that's. But to your point, yeah. you can't. You know, 
Ian, there is one way the Sharks fall to Chicago's ranks, and that's if Capo Kapanen murders <laughs> Keep that on the table. That's true. Fair that could point. happen. But you know what I mean? Like, I still think, like, I think the, the chips are going to fall where they may. Look at, I think some teams, I, like, the Pacific's still going to be kind of a wishy-washy division. I, I think there's going to be some good teams, but there's not going to be a whole lot separating the good teams from the bad teams in the division. Mm-hmm. It's a fair point. I just don't think so. And I think I think we're going to see that happen when we start looking through the divisional teams starting on our next show. Like, I think we're going to start seeing that, like, the Sharks aren't that far off from some of these teams. Like, yeah, okay, obviously they're, they're not going to hang with the Edmontons or maybe the Calgarys or the Vegases, but, like, the rest of the teams, the LAs, yeah, probably they could hang with LA, I think. Not not rack up wins with them, but, you know, in a season series, do I think the Sharks are going to just get blown out, blown the doors off by LA every game? No. Vancouver? Same with Vancouver. No. Anaheim? No. Seattle? No. That's the problem, right? Yeah, I mean, look at what happened to the Sharks last year. They finished with the 11th worst record. Uh, we we saw how poor the Sharks played last year. As Jerk said, still the best year from a, a, a viewing standpoint in the last few years. But uh, they finished with the 11th worst record, played like a team who should have been way worse. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of bad teams in the Pacific Division, and you've got... Ottawa last year, Detroit last year, who both will be better. Um, but yeah, it's just, it would be nice if the Sharks, I think, were in a more difficult p- division because then <laughs> the Sharks would have fewer opportunities to earn points. I can't believe what we've started. Uh, uncle in the chat, hope Cockinen gets some murder merch. Anyone interested? Jeez. You know what, guys? If, if, Capo Kakanen dresses up as Jason for Halloween. It's all over. Oh my god! Um, just he's got the mask already, right? Kind of coming back here. Um, obviously, uh, another thing that came up in the chat earlier: uh, Mario Ferraro not signed. Are we concerned? I, I'm not. But are, I'm are we... not. Here's my bold prediction. Okay. Uh, there is already a deal in the drawer, and they're waiting to file it until. Um, Mike Greer clears out some more cap space. That's my theory because like Mario Ferraro has no arbitration rights. So what are you waiting for? You you have, I mean, he has two options. He has zero leverage or go home and sit at home. He has Uh, no leverage whatsoever. Correct. It might, I might be at fault for this guys because the last show I said, I saw Ferraro, getting signed at four by six when you guys said four by four. And so his I said agent six by was four, but go ahead. Uh, oh yeah. Six by six <laughs> versus six by four. Yes, 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 yes. And I think that Mario Ferraro's agent was watching tilt into glasses because why wouldn't he folks tell a friend subscribe. <laughs> uh, and so he probably said, Hey, that Kevin Lacey guy thinks we can get 6 million per year. Let's go back to the sharks. And the sharks <laughs> like, what? You know whose agent <laughs> no. doesn't watch the show though? Martin Jones is because he still hasn't called me. <laughs> or Kyle Dubas, apparently, because I didn't get hired. Oh, that's right. That's so right. 
Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not concerned about Mario Ferraro's contract status right now. No. Um, I think it'll get done. And again, we're less than a month into the off season. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not forget that. I think that too much is. That's why I like that Nazim Kadri like took his time with everything because no one had to sign the first two days of free agency. That's true. So that was my other question, though. Is Mario Ferraro a New York Islander? We just don't know yet. <laughs> it is true. Lou does work in the shadows. I I don't know where this is coming well, from. Well, because Lou Lamarello doesn't Islanders like do need... announce his signings, right? Like he just signs a guy, and then they just can't tell anyone because Lou Lamarello is Lou Lamarello. So <laughs> I I think he's signed Mario Ferraro, even though he's a restricted free agent and he can't. And we're not allowed to know. We're just not allowed to know. That's it. Now, again, <laughs> new regime, no more Doug Wilson. But historically, they've signed players long before the announcement has ever been made. That's what That's I true. miss about the NHLPA website. They used to list when a player would file mm. versus when the team would announce. So I remember I mean, this is going back 15 years now, but I remember the Sharks signed three players in free agency on day i think it was day four of free agency and those players weren't announced until about september 10th or something like that <laughs> so you you have the the right idea i think jerk in that for all probably is signed and we just don't know yet we just don't know um Doug Wilson is being honored with a banner, um, recognizing his work as a player in the front office. Do you guys have an issue with this? Uh, I've seen this kind of been pretty divisive. I don't have an issue with this. Um, I think here's the thing about Doug Wilson, right? I think that, look at obviously Doug Wilson, my favorite guy at the end of the, the road of his GMing. No, not, but he did a lot of good things here. And, I, to me, like, I just wonder if, like, I just, I feel like with Doug Wilson, with his health being what is, and I don't know anything, but like with having not seen him and him being gone with a, a health thing, like you want to honor guys when they're around. And I'm not saying Doug Wilson's dying. Jesus Christ, don't go on Twitter and say, Ian said Doug Wilson's dying. I don't know. I'm just saying though, if there's a problem. Don't you want to honor people while they're still here? Like, just the fact that we know he left for health reasons, we haven't seen him since, makes me a little nervous. Well, but he was supposed to get recognized last year for his uh, Hall of Fame induction, and it never happened. So I'm not really all that surprised that the Sharks are still trying to find a way to honor Wilson's tenure with in the NHL and with the Sharks. So I I think it's still a nice gesture. It is very uncommon for someone to go out on top. And I think that uh, Doug Wilson is just right there along that path. I think he is the best GM that the Sharks have ever had. Of course, the Sharks have only had a few. Uh, but yeah, Doug Wilson's done amazing things from day one with the organization and he deserves the honor. Yeah. Yeah. Jerk. Uh Oh, did we lose jerk? I was wondering that. No, and, and sorry. Folks in the sorry. Chat said I froze. My microphone okay. came unplugged. Uh, ah. so I, I don't have an opinion. Like 
if they want to put it up, like I'm not mad that they're putting it that they're putting up a banner for him and honoring his career. Mm-hmm. I'm not super hyped over it either. I'm just like, okay, cool. Yeah, I like I, I I think I'm in the same boat, right? Like I'm not I'm not mad. Like I've seen anger that they're doing. Like, oh, what, what did you do? Where's the cups? Whatever, right? And we'll get to the well, next <laughs> thing where this applies. Yes, it's fu- where are the cups? But they have no problem putting fucking Santa's Ozlinch's number up in the rafters. Like, give me a break. You know what I mean? Owen Nolan. I, yeah, Owen Nolan, Mike Ricci, like beloved players, but let's compare them to somebody in the NHL who's actually done something, and that argument ends pretty quickly. Yeah, I, think I don't it's know. Fair. I have a, I don't know. I have a whole thing about Marlowe <laughs> retired numbers and Hall of Fames and the whole deal, like. And and obviously you have it on the notes. That's why I'm bringing yeah. it up. But... Yeah, Patrick Marlowe, obviously number twelve is going to be retired by the Sharks, February twenty fifth versus the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, I, I, again, I don't have an issue here. Like to me, when you're going to retire a number to me, this is where it comes, comes in, right? Like if someone else wore number 12, would I be like, what the fuck are you doing or not? And for 12, I would be like, Hey, who the fuck do you think you are? You can't wear 12 (laughs) in San Jose. You just can't fucking do it. Like, and I don't feel that way about any other player, Joe Thornton included. And I love Joe Thornton. But I don't feel that way about Joe Thornton. Like, someone else for 19 res- next year, put some I would res- be fine. Put some respect on Marco Sturm's name. Yeah. No, you know what? Here's the thing. Patrick Marlowe is the only shark. As of right now, August 1st, 2022. Patrick Marlowe is the only shark who legitimately has earned the right to have his number retired by the Sharks. That said... The rationale for retiring Marlowe's number is flimsy to me. No cups, which I understand cups are not everything, but it is a team game, absolutely. But at the same time, you know, I... You want to retire the number of somebody, you know, maybe they captain you to a cup, or they were, you know, have a million franchise records, which I guess Marlo does. And, you know, has, yeah. Right. But it's just, I don't know. I still feel like with Marlo, I feel like, yes, he's the only person who's legitimately earned the right to have his number by the Sharks, retired by the Sharks. But at the same time, I feel like with Marlo, I'm left wanting just a little bit more from his playing career. I would have liked, I don't know. I don't even know if I, if a cup would convince me but it's just i think cup changes everything you win a cup we yeah but we retire all those numbers yeah i don't know i'm just kind of 19 12 yeah i don't know i'm with jerk on this i don't i can't quite put my finger on it but i understand where jerk's coming from i would like to see a little bit more and i think part of it stems from i hope that the sharks are honoring patrick marlowe with the number retirement for what he did for the Sharks Mm -hmm. and not just as a, oh, it's been 30 years and we still haven't retired a number. We got to have somebody to honor. Like, I hope that's not the true rationale because I see that around the, around the league now. I mean, I think the, aren't the Columbus Blue Jackets retiring someone's number this year? And it's like, oh, geez, which Rick Nash actually, Rick Nash is having his here's number the, retired. Here's the thing. I understand. Like, I think Marlowe deserves his number retired more than Rick Nash. But from by a freaking thousand times. Yes, yeah. But from from Columbus's perspective, I get it. 
I get it. Their first major draft pick, he was the face of their franchise forever. Like I on I again, I don't I don't know that I agree with the logic, but I get where they're coming from. I get the angle they're taking. To me, there shouldn't be an angle. Sure. And that's that's my problem with that. And so that's why I hope Patrick Marlowe is being honored for all the right reasons and not because it's an angle. And 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 to, I want to go back to what Ian said before, how, you know, Marlowe's the only number where you feel like, hey, if somebody else wore it, you'd be pissed, right? Yeah. Sure. And, and a, yeah. a lot of people love to say, oh, retire Owen Nolan. Well... Nolan's been retired for 10 years. How many people have worn his number? Cogliano, Stefan Nason, you get it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the, Marcel, Gotch. Marcel Gotch. Same thing with Nabokov. Yep. Been retired forever. Marcus Sorensen, John Scott. You get my point. Kyle Wellwood. Kyle Wellwood. You get the point. Mm-hmm. Marlowe is, I mean, aside from the fact that he's been around forever, you see 12. You think, you uh, see 12 in San Jose, you think of Marlowe. You, th- you think of Marlowe and you mm-hmm. think of San Jose. You know what I mean? And how many times, first of all, how many times did he have the opportunity to go somewhere else and took less money to stay? And how many times did he leave and then come back? Right? Mm-hmm. And the point, the reason why I bring up the point Ian made is because I'm with you. I don't think Joe Thornton has earned the right to have his number retired by the Sharks. And, you I know. I love Joe Thornton, man. But, yeah, I just. I, mean, I do, too. I, I love Joe Thornton. But, but and again, people say, you know, oh, he's deserved it. He's this. He's that. Why? Because I think. Here's what did the he, what did Thornton. Thornton do? Thornton and I'm coming here. The chat. <laughs> Thornton coming here. I'll, I'll answer for the chat. Thornton coming here was the turning point of when the Sharks be, were the Starks stopped being a happy to be their team into a legit Stanley cup favorite. Now they didn't sure. win. And at some point you have to win, but Joe Thornton was the guy that changed the script for San Jose. Sure. He was the one that turned the team yeah. from like the Nolan years. Like they were, they were, but they were, they were a tough team, but they were just happy to be there. They weren't ever, you know, like, they were just happy to be there. Detroit, Colorado, those were the teams to beat in the West. And Joe Thornton changed that overnight. Okay, and that's while yeah. I agree with you, I don't think he's based on that fact alone, he's earned a number retirement. No. Yeah. But to the point both of you guys made, which I completely agree. I agree with everything you're saying about Joe Thornton as well, by the way. Um, but if someone else wore number 19, would you be upset? I think there would be a lot of Sharks fans that would, would be. be. Now, I would love for someone who's established around the, the league. I can't even, for some reason, I can't think of any number 19s off the top of my head. And I think it's because half of those are retired already. Um, but I just hope that the Sharks bring in an established player <laughs> who will wear 19 and be done with it. Um but do you guys think anyone else should wear nineteen? I I wouldn't get upset. No, I I wouldn't I, I wouldn't I, get upset like I would if someone wore twelve. And I say that as Joe Thornton probably 
Well, he's your buddy. He's my yeah. He's my buddy, right? Um, he is. He's a guy like top three players to ever wear a Sharks jersey. Yep, totally. Top three for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Patrick Marlowe, for the record, isn't is in my top five. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I I just I don't I don't hate Patrick Marlowe getting his jersey retired. I think look at he played. Now you can. It doesn't matter. He broke Gordie Howe's record. I think that earns him a thing. He has a bunch of individual records to the Sharks. The Sharks kind of pushed him out the door. <laughs> he, he didn't leave because he wanted to. He didn't leave because he didn't want to stay. He right. left because the Sharks moved on. I don't know. I, I think what it boils down to is who's a bigger icon. Like, Oof. you know, if, you, if I say Marlowe, you think of San Jose. Yeah. That's not always, but that's not necessarily true if someone were to say Thornton. I don't know. You know? I mean, I've, yeah, I mean, I'm a Sharks fan. I'd like to get some outside, so. I, I don't know. know. I yeah, just, it's interesting. I and But you know what? But here's the thing. All that said, if for whatever, if they decided to throw 19 up there, I'm not going to like it, but I'm not mad either. But now, if you start throwing 11 and 20 and 8, and fucking 18 all the like if you like don't get me wrong i love late 90s early 2000s sharks lore sure. as much as the next person i became a sharks fan in 2001 but you know these these players these these players that sharks fans fell in love with let's really dig in mm-hmm. does mike yeah. ricci deserve his number retired sandas ozalinch no brent burns owen Blank. nolan for me, it took a real long time to see someone else wear number 11. Okay. But eventually I got there, and I don't even think about it anymore. And I feel like that same thing can happen with number 19. I do think 12 should be in the rafters. Um, I'm not going to hate seeing 19 up there, but no. For me, if if I was the one deciding it, I'd say no, 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 no. I just and I and I like what Skyler said too. If you mm-hmm. want to honor, if you want to honor, like if you want to say, oh, if you want to honor somebody's career, like similar to what they're doing with Doug Wilson. If you you say, yeah, this is your day in the sh- in the sun, mm-hmm. then we're gonna honor you, and then we're gonna move forward. I have no problem with that. But if you if you start taking numbers out of circulation because you really liked a guy, right? Like you know what you know what San Jose has a San Jose Sports Hall of Fame. Can't the players just go into that and keep the numbers in circulation unless you get a legendary player? To And again, all all franchises. It doesn't just apply to the Sharks because, again, Rick Nash, Yuri Lettinen. Come on. Ray Bork in Colorado. Oh, don't. <laughs> but that's what I mean. The like, most like... Over, the most overplayed thing. Raymond Bork. 2016 would like I I think if things go differently in 2016 maybe it's a different conversation but I don't know I'm fine like obviously look at I love Patrick Marlowe Patrick Marlowe going to the rafters does not offend me I would be upset if someone wore 12 so I'm glad that they will no longer have that option I think that is um yeah because Marlowe Marlowe's the only person who can say that he was a lifer I mean yes Mm -hmm. he did he did go to Toronto and he did go to Pittsburgh both times he came back yeah, and like he's again, a lifer. He Joe, Joe Thornton's not a lifer. He started somewhere else. He left and played somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know Owen Nolan is not a lifer. No, you know, 
And and I and I also think people are saying, well, you know, retire Sanders Ozlinch. He's the best defenseman ever. Well, then you get a Dan Boyle. Okay, let's retire Dan Boyle. Well, then you get a Brent Burns. Like, you know, if you have, you know, like retiring number is supposed to be reserved for the best. Oh, right. The chat tonight is fun. I I. Uh, besides, the Sharks can't retire Dan Boyle's number because when they sign soon-to-be 39-year-old right-shot defenseman Kevin Lacey this summer, uh, <laughs> I'm going to need a number to wear. It's true. So. It's true. There you have it. Um, uh, around the division, um, I'm going to go quick on one, and then we'll talk about the the big trade, obviously. Uh, the Ducks shine uh, John Klingberg for a year, $7 million. Um, Kind of surprised me. I thought Klingberg would probably... St- get a longer deal um after leaving dallas i was surprised he had to settle for the one at seven i mean i think it's a good show me deal uh especially i think there's definitely opportunities for him to really uh shine uh in with the anaheim ducks but uh yeah i was kind of surprised by the term here i think it's very similar to the taylor hall situation where (laughs) yeah where people like people know that john klingberg is a good player just as people knew taylor hall was a good player but you know, and 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 I I must say, you know, uh, some of my rationale for this has does come from, um, you know, the conversation that was had on on Thirty Two Thoughts latest episode. But, you know, the best time for Klingberg to ring the bell is next year when the free agent defenseman class is significantly thinner. And there's, you know, he's as it stands right now, he's easily the best defenseman available going into next summer. So obviously there's that there, but also John Klingberg is a really good player. Like there was a while where people were saying, oh, John Klingberg, you know, next Eric Carlson maybe. And things sort of plateaued for him, especially, you know, just generally speaking. And then obviously you bring in Heiskin in and you bring in Essa Lindell, Ryan Suter, and he kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. Well, now he can go to Anaheim. He's going to be on the top pair. He's going to be on the top power play unit. And he's got a crap load of really good forwards to get the puck up to. You know, John Klingberg wants the big deal, and you know, next year is his best chance to get it. The, so I, uh, you took the words right out of my mouth about the Taylor Hall thing. I think that this is really a complete win by the Ducks in a way because the Ducks get that one year show me to see is Klingberg the defenseman that they can build the team around going forward. Um, however. Does Klingberg stymie the forward progress of a defenseman like Jamie Drysdale? Because, you know, I, I, I've said how many times about Burns and Carlson, there really should only be one. And granted, Klingberg way further along in his development than Jamie Drysdale is. But the Ducks don't have a Josh Manson to pair with a John Klingberg, for example. So... I don't know how well this truly works, but the Ducks bring bring in uh, a very, very good player. And if it doesn't work out, they trade him for assets that will help the organization going forward. Yeah, I I, I think, you know, kind of similar to another team like that we're going to talk about in a second in Calgary. Like I thought like 
Anaheim, I like. I think they needed to win this off season because it's all been like the news out of like out of Anaheim's all been like, oh no, you know, we're gonna get rid of John Gibson and it's gonna be bad, bad. We're not done rebuilding yet. Like we've got more stuff that we have to do. Um, but I, I so I like this for them. I think it's a, it's a win. Well, and, and to get one, and to get ke- yeah, and and to Kevin's point as well, bringing in, uh. You know, bringing in somebody that, let's be honest here, they're going to be able to get a first-round pick plus four at the trade deadline. Yeah. Like, that doesn't hurt when you're rebuilding. And I don't know. I kind of thought the Ducks were turning the corner, but if if they are trading John Gibson, maybe they're not as as close as we all thought. Yeah. Um, obviously, which leads us to the uh, – I mean, it's – it's old news now, but we're we're so late to the party. Uh, Calgary, um, unfortunately, decided to make our Know Your Enemy show a little less fun, depending on your perspective. Because I was totally ready to go on Calgary and write the eulogy, man. And uh, nope, that's not what we're going to do when we do Calgary. There will be no eulogy. Um, obviously, after Johnny Gaudreau left, um, Matthew Kachuk said he was not going to sign. Uh, and we thought, oh, God. Like write the eulogy right and then uh no they called up florida and uh florida sent them uh jonathan huberto 29 one year 5.9 million dollar uh his current deal uh, mackenzie Weger 28 one year 3.25 million dollar deal and they also picked up a prospect in 21 year old uh cole schwint uh who is two years left on his uh 910 million dollar elc um, they wow. get a lottery. Wow, protected. what an L- ELC, $910 million. $910,000, thank you. <laughs> uh, they get a lottery protected first round pick if a, uh, in 2025, if Florida Panthers happen to be in the lottery in 2025, uh, it becomes a 2026 first round pick. Um, and Florida, obviously, in return, gets Matthew Kachuk, 24, who they signed to an eight-year, $9.5 million deal. Um, there's a lot of debate of whether this was a sign-and-trade or uh, a trade, and then Florida made the deal. The sign-and-trade, like, it's a funny, it's a good story, but it doesn't make a lot of sense, because if you trade a restricted free agent, he is your player. Therefore, it's not yeah. an unrestricted free agent. You can sign an eight-year deal after you acquire uh, a restricted free agent. Um, they have a conditional 2025 fourth-round pick, which the Florida Panthers will get. However, if the pick that um, Florida sent Calgary changes years, then Calgary's pick that they sent back, which is a fourth-round 2025th, will become a 2026 fourth. Um, and, uh, yeah, that is the trade. So... According to the internet, shout out to the internet, um, it was a sign and trade, um, which I believe, unless something else has happened and I don't remember, first time in the salary cap era we've seen a sign and trade. It just makes no sense. (laughs) They didn't have to sign and trade to get the eight year. That's a good point, Kevin. But the the thing that stands Which, out to, to me, me was not one, by the way. Right, but the the reason the the thing to me why I think this or why I believe what the internet says that it was a sign and trade is you look at the trade protection years mm-hmm. years uh, seven and eight it's a modified no trade years two through six it's a full no move year one no trade protection right and I and I want to do more homework before I definitively say this but I believe. There is some kind of weird shenanigans with the CBA where 
you know, if you trade someone, you have to wait a little bit longer to sign them to an eight-year deal for one reason or another. I don't know for sure. I want to do more homework on that, but mm-hmm. you know, according it doesn't to make any sense because it's like it's, it's no, you're your right. player. I, I agree with you. It does not make any sense to me, but I that is based on what I'm reading. That is the route that was hmm. taken for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the rationale, but I what I do know is that on this trade, Florida got shoved into a locker on this one. Like I, if, if you had Maybe. told me. If you had said to me, hey, the t- the trade is one for one, uh, you know, if you had said, oh, Matthew Kachuk for Jonathan Huberdo, I still think Calgary wins this trade. And so then the fact, oh, on top of that, you get Mackenzie Weger and you get a first round pick and you get a prospect. Easy for me to see Calgary. Uh, <laughs> easy for me to get, some, um, you know, pick Calgary as the winner here. And I, I just... I mean, Calgary got the third leading scorer in the NHL plus Mac Wigger plus a first round pick. That's like, what I'm saying. And and don't get me wrong, I I think Matthew Kachuk is a really really good player. He's probably the best. He's probably the best power forward in the NHL right now. Yeah. But yeah. he, whether or not you agree with it, the term you know, the term that he or the idea that he is. Uh, I don't know what like what word to use, but a turtler, you know, somebody who turtles, that mindset has been his thing that's been attached to him. Um, obviously, the way he's kind of ripped his destiny destiny out of Calgary's hands, a lot of people may look at that negatively. But also in the thing that I we talked about it in in the Discord, like I think the Kachuk family is really damaging if you have a Kachuk on your team. Just the way they operate, the way that everybody is involved in everything. And I I mean if I'm Calgary, I I think they were smart to get rid of him because just the the way that, you know, everything becomes about them. I don't know that that's good for a team. Yeah, and like obviously, and here's the and here's and here's the rub, right? And this is coming up in the chat here. Uh, we got Cthulhu, the Great Dreamer, and Marty also basically saying that yeah, this is great, but they still have to extend, and that is the rub. Obviously, if Calgary gets neither of these guys pen to paper, then then Florida has gotten out of their locker very very well uh, in this situation. I don't Marty think that they're going to have a hard time re-signing these guys, though. I, I just... don't think so either. Yeah. I mean, why w- this franchise is on the rise right now. The only way, to me, that they don't re-sign is if they really don't like playing for Daryl Sutter. Then Daryl Sutter goes. Yeah, totally. Right? Like, if you if you go into exit interviews and... And Jonathan Huberto says, I ain't signing here. Uh, if Daryl Sutter is still here next year, guess what? Daryl Sutter is not there next year. Yeah. Absolutely. You know who... Uh... And, oh, All sorry. Right. I was just going to say, worth mentioning, this coming season is Daryl Sutter's last year under contract. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, but I do think it's a little interesting. You know, we were worried about Daryl Sutter coming in and being the head coach and 
in causing players to want to bolt from Calgary. And then Calgary puts up their best year season in years mm-hmm. under Sutter. And yet, looks what, look what ended up happening anyway. Johnny Gaudreau left. Matthew Kachuk wanted out. Um, but I think that the player who has to be happiest about this trade is Jacob Markstrom. Because mm-hmm. he signed that long-term deal expecting the flames to contend for years and years and years and it was starting to look like the wheels were falling off the wagon but brad true living makes this deal i think robs florida decidedly but again time usually dictates that these types of trades that we get it dead wrong but for right now i'm totally on calgary's side with this with huberto and Weger and the first mm-hmm. um and that gives them the depth that they need to continue to be a contender despite being in a weak division. Yeah. Um, I mean, and like, obviously like I know a lot of people took the advantage because obviously like Calgary is of the opinion they need a new arena. Um, and you know, I think they had a deal locked up and then the mayor they got a new mayor elected and the mayor kind of walked away from the deal. And I know a lot of people are using this for kind of political, Hey, like, Oh, look, you know, we can't keep players here because the arena's garbage and blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't know if there's anything to it, but 32 thoughts had an interesting thought about this as well. And, and just how, um, the, how obviously with everything that happened over the last few years and the complications in traveling, like I don't, I don't think for for a guy like Johnny Gaudreau, for example, wanting to be closer to home. I know some people are going to say, you know, oh, well, he's not even that closer to home. But like what he's in, he's an hour flight from home now, as Mm -hmm. opposed to a cross country flight. Exactly. Right. Um, And I think like I think, you know, a lot of people probably took restock of where they're going to because because he would have gotten them. He probably would have gotten the most money to stay in Calgary. So it obviously wasn't a money issue. Oh, totally. I believe, uh, well, and obviously Calgary had the ability to offer him in the eighth year, but even yeah, beyond, that. even beyond that, you know, his, you know, the AAV in Columbus is nine and three quarters. The word on the street is that Calgary offered 10 and a half million. So mm-hmm. you're, you're getting an extra, you know, what is that? You're getting an extra 750 K per year on top of an extra 10 and a half million for that eighth year. So correct to you look at that money is the furthest thing from the issue. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it's definitely it's, it sucks for Calgary fans, man. Um, like obviously the, the Calgary thing was, it's unfortunate when you're a fan, obviously having guys like that walk. Um, and that's always the, that's, that's always the concern, right? When you're, when you're a team that, has spent time being a have not that you're you you can draft all the guys you want but if you can't keep them after they're 27 then what's the point right and and i i like i appreciate kachuk being upfront and honest with what he wanted i like i appreciate the hell out of that you know as mm-hmm. opposed to saying well yeah maybe i'll resign and then not doing it so i appreciate he was honest i just don't i don't like the way like just the optics of it where he, you know, didn't want to play by the rules. So he just made his own game with his own rules and forced everybody to play by it. Yeah. I just don't like that. Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah. Uh, any, any other thoughts on this, Kevin, before I wrap this puppy up? 
All right. Uh, so, <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Dell uh, uh, hacked his internet. <laughs> that's that's fine. I I understand how these things work. Anyway, again, we thank you. Uh, another long show. Um, I think our next shows are going to come in a little less longer than this one. But like I said, going forward, we'd like to take a look at um, what the other teams in the division look like that the Sharks are going to be competing into. Uh, if you have a team that you would like us to cover first, uh, hit us up in the comments. Otherwise, I am going to pick one at random or maybe I'll change it up and do something different. Um yeah other than that though uh if you again uh if you want to follow us on the social media or you know follow teal town usa uh which is the outlet that we obviously all um function under you can find us at teal town usa on any of the social media uh if you like what you saw tonight please hit the like button uh that helps us out huge in the algorithm also be sure to subscribe and if you want to know when we're going to go live which is at random times uh hit the bell that's the best way to know um final thoughts from my from my good friends here uh hockey jerk final thoughts Final thoughts. Uh, somebody mentioned in the chat, uh, Kachuk did more for his team than Pierre-Luc Dubois did. At least he didn't demand a specific team. That is true. That's true. However, Dubois, I don't know. That situation is just like is just stupid to me. Like you don't want to sign long term, but you don't want to be traded. So what? What do you want? Like. Yes, you know, I, I I don't like the way Matthew Kachuk went about the whole situation, but to Cthulhu's point, at least he was upfront, honest, and said, hey, this is what I want. Can you accommodate? Dubois has been a punk through the whole thing. That's my final thought. Hockey underscore jerk on Twitter and nowhere else. <laughs> Kevin? Uh, I'm at Kevin Lacey 22 on most social media platforms. I've been a little bit quiet lately because work has been <laughs> hell. Uh, so I am going on He's hiding from Aaron vacation Del. here. Um, as soon as we get done here, I'm going right back to packing and then heading to the mountains and hope I don't get struck by lightning. But if I don't get struck by lightning, you can follow me at Kevin Lacey 22. And we did have some poll results on oh. the Jersey retirement and 56% said that uh, no other Sharks players should get their number retired at this time. 43% said yes. So uh, if you do the math, uh, Google obviously can't. So there you go. I mean, <laughs> uh, 99% uh, results well, somehow. So I guess I think, one person. Must... Well, I was going to say, does that mean that 1% didn't answer? I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> 1% decided to put a banner of doug wilson up in the rafters i guess <laughs> i i don't know but um this was fun yeah though, guys. absolutely um and you guys got the best sharks all-time defenseman you guys got it wrong i'm just gonna leave it at that all right uh my it's name is kevin lacy next year next year uh my name is watch out I actually yeah i'm going into the mountains to go training. training it's gonna be a big rocky, rocky montage <laughs> that i'll be ready for training camp uh my name is ian reed you can follow me on the tour machine at ian blogs hockey on the uh all the uh, social media, actually just Twitter, but yeah, follow me. It'll be fun. Um, other than that, we do thank you guys all for being here and we will see you next time.